How's everybody doing? You guys doing all right? It's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, it's good to be at church with you all. Hey. It's Carter. He's a good buddy of mine. Sorry. Listen, I want you to feel like this is a living room and a family worshiping together rather than coming to church and it be this highfalutin thing. Can we agree to that? That we just be here as family together learning how to follow Jesus better. That way we can maintain the reverence for God and not take ourselves too seriously. Because listen, there's a lot of that going around. We need to laugh a little bit, don't we? We just feel like in the day and age, the laughter is going to do us uh, some good. We've been talking through the book of Nehemiah. I hope that you came to hear from God this morning. I just want to reiterate this. I appreciate AK taking the really terrible chapter of Nehemiah last week. I got him good. AK, if you're watching, I apologize. But he did this amazing thing, and I loved the 28 times it said next to and next to them, and next to him, and next to them, and next to, and next to, this idea that it took a community to rebuild the wall. It wasn't a, a leader barking orders at people, but they were next to one another, doing the work that needed to get done to bring restoration and rebuilding. And chapter four, chapter four is about opposition. Opposition. We've talked about how Nehemiah prayed and fasted from morn for four months. He received from God direction and he prepared and he knew what to ask for to get the task done, right? And then we talked about the next twos and today we get to talk about uh, perseverance. Um, this, uh, I started Taekwondo when I was 17. I came to know Jesus through that ministry. And uh, getting belts in a martial art is uh, not easy. I mean, it can be easy. Some schools you can buy them. Don't go to those ones. Because you go to defend yourself and you're going to get hurt. <laughs> Don't, don't go to an easy martial arts school. <laughs> it's kind of the opposite of how it goes. But the, the point about this is, it's in order to gain a black belt, it takes time, it takes effort, and it's difficult, right? There's injuries, there's um, failures, there's, there are a lot of things along the way to get here, and it requires a few things, and there are these things called tenets of Taekwondo. It's on my belt here. Courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control, and indomitable spirit. Courtesy, integrity, perseverance, and indomitable spirit. Perseverance is this. It is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Hear that again. Perseverance is persisting in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. The Greek is hypomone, means steadfastness, is the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. That'll play a part as we study today. And I started it because I had a lot of opposition in my life growing up. I was short, I was skinny, and I was a total nerd. So I got picked on, naturally. Not by a person, but by several people. And people are mean, right? So they say terrible things, they try to get you to believe that you're worthless and they, they oppose you as you are growing up because growing up is difficult. 
And perseverance is necessary in order to grow up and be mature, right? Perseverance, the ability to bear up under difficult circumstances, to persist even if the success of your goal is delayed. You guys ever have opposition in your life? Anybody remember 2020? Just saying. I thought every conversation was opposition. Every circumstance, opposition, right? And if your answer is no, Johnny, I don't have any opposition in my life. You need to probably check your life because you might be the opposer. If you don't experience opposition, you might be in a wrong seat on the bus. Because life is full of it. As a mom, how many times have you had to be persevering to persist and to bear under difficult circumstances? I can look around the room right now and I know that there are women and moms in the room who on a daily basis persevere because I see the men sitting next to you. That's a joke. Come on. You guys aren't all that bad. <laughs> or how about the teenagers sitting next to you? Listen, talk about opposition. That's built in. If you want to know perseverance, raise you some kids. Or be a part of a church. <laughs> that one wasn't supposed to be funny, but <laughs> I think the laughter is probably right. You know, marriage, even spiritually, opposition. How many times have you tried to take steps towards God and felt like you were being blown back 10 steps? How many times did you feel like you were trying to obey God in something and it became very difficult to actually accomplish and go do? Maybe at work. How many times have you experienced opposition at work? Never mind society and the culture that we live in, right? It comes from everywhere, doesn't it? And we all have this, uh, a couple different things. You've heard fight or flight, everybody's fight or flight. Well, some people do. Some people, opposition comes, things get difficult. And what happens? We quit. Some people are that way. Some people, they're like, oh, I'm not going to flight. I'm going to fight. But it's just like blind swinging. It just doesn't matter. They're throwing haymakers. It doesn't matter where it lands. It's just fighting for fighting's sake. But with no regard to the actual goal or the reason that there's a fight going on, Right? And then there are some of those who fight with, it's a focused defense. It's the perseverance that is seeing the goal in the end, the need to go a certain direction no matter what. And they're able to deal with opposition in a healthy way. My hope is that that's the kind of people that we will be. Chapter four of Nehemiah gives us a little insight into how opposition comes and then also how we have to move through it. And there's a very specific thing because we all deal with it individually most often and we forget that we can persevere a lot better if we do it collectively. A collective perseverance. If you don't hear anything else that I say the rest of the morning, I hope that you will hear these two words and take it with you. Collective perseverance. Collective perseverance. This part of the Bible should be a movie. I like Ezra Nehemiah. I don't trust Hollywood to make the movie, but it would make a great movie. Like this is, this is good stuff. It's got, it's fraught with danger, intrigue, (laughs) 
all, adventure, all the things that you want to say. Like this is relationship. This is way better than The Bachelor because that stuff's not real anyway. Come on, somebody preach them. Come, somebody help me out here. Thank you. Look, we have fun at church today. This is good stuff. It would make a great movie because it is, it's something that speaks so deeply into what we experience as people that uh, it's the kind of thing we want to see over and over again. So let's jump in, okay? The next twos and the next twos and the next twos in chapter four. When Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was, re- it was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, he said, what are they even building? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. Does that voice sound familiar to you? Does that voice sound familiar in your life? See, because this is what opposition does, right? They come at you and they sow lies into your life. They start to sow doubt into your life and tell you that you're worthless and incapable. That's the nature of opposition, right? Little kids from the time they're really small become very aware of this voice. You're not good enough. You can't do that. Why are you... Why are you trying to be, uh, you know, an architect? You don't know how to draw. Like, you can't do that. If you do that, it's not going to work anyway. Why are you trying, why are you going back to school? You're too old. You're, you're not smart enough. Why are you trying to fix this? It's unfixable. Even if you did fix it, it's not going to work. Do you guys recognize this voice? The voice, the very same voice that Nehemiah and the Jews were dealing with, their opposition is no different than yours and mine. I want you to hear that. I want you to recognize that as we go to study this. I also want you to recognize that as Christians, we are very aware that the real battle that we deal with in this life isn't here. It's not on this level. There is a very real battle between God and his enemy, who is also your enemy. And it gets played out here. And this is what's going on. That voice of doubt and fear, ridicule and insults, right? The devil, it says, is a, like a roaring lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. And the opposition comes, and this is how it's played out. In Nehemiah's day, it's no different than ours. I want you to see how he responds because how we generally respond, I don't know, how do you guys respond when this stuff happens? When somebody comes to break you down, when somebody comes to tell you you don't have what it takes and even if you did, it's not gonna be good enough and why are you even trying? You're worthless, you're dumb. What's our reaction? I'll tell you my reaction. Since y'all wanna be honest, I'll tell you the truth. I wanna fight somebody. It doesn't feel good. How many, how many love it when they get insulted? Raise them real high there for me. Love opposition. Anybody? See, me either. And I think the response of Nehemiah and the people says a lot about how to persevere when opposition. Here's what he says. It doesn't preface it with anything. It tells us the narrative that there's this opposition. All of a sudden, there's a prayer that pops up in Scripture. 
It doesn't say, and then Nehemiah prayed. It just says, it just legitimately like, as they were going, the opposition came, the stuff was happening, and they didn't even acknowledge, they didn't, they didn't talk to them, they talked to God first. And here's what he says. This is a great, this is a kind, loving, gentle prayer. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. When you go home, you teach your kids how to pray. This is a great. <laughs> Listen, it's not that they weren't dealing with the opposition. It's that their, their direction started with God. You guys notice this pattern? Before he went, he prayed. As he went, he prayed. When the opposition came, he prayed. Because he knew that in God, he had what he needed and he knew that it would be a distraction. Now, he deals with the opposition as we will see, but his first response was to talk to God about it. I wonder how many things in this world might look a little different if we talked to God first before we dealt with the opposition that comes. Here's, he goes on and says this. So we rebuilt the wall until all of it reached half its height for the people had worked with all of their heart. They prayed and they persevered and they worked. They prayed and persevered and they worked. That voice that, that wanted to break them down, he directed it the right direction and it caused them to be able to stand up under the difficult circumstances. Verse seven, but, but, does opposition ever just come in one wave and it's over? Is that your experience? Because it's not their experience and I don't think it's our experience. How many times does something come at you and you're like, you deal with it, like maybe you deal with it good the first time and then another wave comes and you're like, uh-uh, this is only Monday. And this is now the second or third time I'm dealing with this mess. Like, right, we have a difficult time because opposition is that way. As you, as you persist in the direction that God wants you to go, it doesn't ever stop. But when Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come up and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Now listen. What's interesting is opposition normally isn't, isn't from a new source. Let's be honest. First, we know it's spiritual, so we know the opposition is coming from a spiritual enemy. The people who are opposing Israel and the Jews were not new to opposing the Jews. The Ammonites were part of the conquest, for instance, right? The Arabs had been at odds with Israel for a long time. And the men of Ashdod, I think it's very interesting, the men of Ashdod were part of this. You guys know who the men of Ashdod were, the city of Ashdod? You know what was there? The temple of Dagon. First Samuel 5, go look it up. It's a crazy story. The Israelites fight, they lose. The Ark of the Covenant is carried away and it is put in the temple of Dagon in Ashdod. And in Ashdod, what happens, they put the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the seat of God, 
God would come and sit down and talk to people in the temple. That was where he resided. And they put it in this temple of this idol God. You know what happened the next day they came? Dagon face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Arms broken off. Standing back up, the, the, goes the next day. You know what's happened? He's face down again, but his head's off now. Do you know why? Because Dagon isn't real. And there's only one God that's worthy of any temple or any worshipment. That's the God of heaven. Men of Ashdod were still angry, I think. And they were opposing the Jews still. The problem with this is that opposition doesn't normally come from a one direction. Think about it like this. Let's say everything's good at work. Man, I'm succeeding. I'm making all my goals. I'm getting paid. But then things at home are falling apart, right? Something crazy will happen and you, right? Or your friend, somebody, your best friend will stab you in the back, right? Or, or everything's good at home, but then something at work falls apart or your car breaks. You mean there's, it's like there's never ending. It seems like it's always coming at, at different sides. And then there's always the problem of us. The opposition isn't always just on the outside, is it? At least there's never any opposition within the church walls. <laughs> oh, you feel it too? Here's what it says. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, right? The people in Judah, that's the people inside. These are, these are part of the, the, the group. It says, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told them 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So they're getting it from three different sides. The people in Judah who are like family are like, hey, this is too hard. We can't do this. It's just too much. What happens when you are pursuing God? How many of you have had an easy Christian life? Go ahead. Following Jesus is super easy for you. Good, me either. It's difficult, right? There are times, how many of you have ever wanted to quit? Don't lie to me. Okay, thank you for three people. That's when I got five honest people in this room. Man, I'm gonna change my sermon midstream now. It is hard. It's not easy. And yes, there are times where you want to quit. Whatever your pursuit is, what if God called you out of here? That would be hard. What if God calls you to do something difficult that you're not comfortable with? It's hard. There are times where you're like, we can't do it. It's too much. And then not only that, then their enemies, right? Are like, they're not even going to know, but we're going to get them on the back. They're not going to even see it coming, but we're going to be there and we're going to kill them. I mean, they're not, listen, they're not talking about making them feel bad. They're not talking about, you know, slashing their tires. They're talking about taking life. That's a major opposition. And then not only that, there's this, this other side, the people that know them are discouraging them and saying, you can't do it. You're never gonna get away from it. It's never gonna get better. And this is the voice of opposition, isn't it? It will always be bad. You will never overcome. It's never gonna happen. You're always gonna lose. They're all very definitive. So what do we do? What do we do? Here's what Nehemiah did. Therefore, he says, verse 13, 
Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, officials, and the rest of the people, hey, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. See, because part of persevering through opposition is to remember where you are going, why you're going, and whom you are going for. And somebody has to be able to look at you and say, hey, remember the Lord. Remember that it is he who has the might and the power and the strength. Remember the Lord. It's he who has provision, right? Remember the Lord. He's the one who has the direction. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. Nehemiah had to make some adjustments, right? When we have this call, we have this direction. There are times where we get locked into the the mode sometimes. And when the opposition comes, sometimes that mode doesn't work. So we had to make some adjustments. Nehemiah was wise enough to know as he prayed through it that as we go, this opposition is coming. Okay, we'll just go to the left a little bit and we'll just keep on rolling. Let's go. We have to be able to make adjustments if we're going to persevere through opposition. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Now listen, why in the world do you need a trumpet while you're rebuilding a wall? Here's the thing. This is not an individual work, is it? This was not Nehemiah doing his thing. Remember the next two is the next two. This was a community of people set to finish a task to rebuild and restore. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, listen, the work is extensive and spread out, and we were widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us here, or join us there, our God will fight for us. Think about it. There were places that were weaker, places that were still not as built up as the others. And he said, listen, I'm going to keep the guy with the trumpet where there's a need. I want you to come meet us there and collectively we will persevere together in this space. Then over here instead, if you hear the trumpet here, I want you to join us over here because we collectively need to build up this spot because that's where the need is. And what everybody had to do is if I'm working here and you're working there and they're working over there, it means my work can't be more important than your work. I need to be able to put down my work and go help a brother or a sister or a family that needs it here. And collectively, we will go persevere. And the trumpet sounded and they would go and collectively they would work and guard and protect. And then it would be Sounded again and they would go over this direction. See, so often what ends up happening, what would happen if they're like, hey, I'm almost done with this spot. Like, I'm I'm working pretty hard over here. I'm sure there's other people who can help. And this is the mentality that causes the church to break down and not fulfill its purpose. Because when my work is more important than your work and your work needs more help and I'm unwilling to stop what I'm doing to go help you over here, 
That's how the, that's the, actually the weakness in the church. See, it doesn't matter. You can persevere all you want. You can persevere, you can persevere, you can persevere. Individually, we can persevere, but what happens when you find yourself flat on your back, unable to move? And you need somebody to pick you up. A couple, a couple weeks ago, the men, we talked about this. Men, how are we doing? Bearing each other's mat, bearing our wives' mat and carrying those people to the feet of Jesus. This is what this is. The whole scripture is about this. This isn't just Nehemiah, by the way. This idea of us loving God and loving other people, bearing with the weakness of other people, persevering through difficulty and opposition. This isn't just Nehemiah chapter four. This is the whole scripture. When the trumpet sounds, meet us over there so we can persevere together. Then I said to the, oh, I just read that. Verse 21, so... We continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor my, my guards with me took off their clothes. Each had his weapon, each even when he went for water. They were prepared and ready to persevere together to guard one another and to work towards the goal because they had the right focus because they remembered the Lord and they were unwilling to not get there. They made adjustments along the way so that they could together repair and rebuild what was broken. When opposition comes, if you want to write this down, you can write this down. If this is all you remember, that would be good enough for me. When opposition comes, our prayer and preparation must be accompanied by a collective perseverance. There it is. A collective perseverance. The ability to stand up under difficult circumstances together. To be steadfast. To have endurance 1 Thessalonians 1.3 talks about this endurance being inspired by the hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, what is it that gives us the ability to persevere in opposition? It is Jesus. Right? Because is this not the ultimate example? I could give you a hundred stories of men and women, even children, who persevered in difficult circumstances, but none accomplished the greatest goal, which is salvation for the souls of sinners on this earth, but Jesus Let's think about it like this. Jesus said in John 16, that in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. It's not if, it's a when, right? When you have trouble, when you have people who will oppose you, what is that gonna look like? And let's be honest about the opposition we experience. In general, in general, there are people around the world who will lose their life they will lose their life to claim Christ as Lord and Savior. They could lose their life for telling someone about Jesus as Lord and Savior. Their life. And I'll tell you that there is plenty of very real opposition in this world and this country too. 
We should expect though, when we seek to fulfill the call of God in our lives to rebuild what was broken and restore what has been taken, that we'll have opposition. When we have this call to fulfill, to turn sinners from their ways and to offer new life in Jesus, there will be opposition. And how we deal with that opposition matters. You know, Jesus, the opposition started in Jesus' life when he was a baby. When he was coming onto the scene, what happened? Do you guys know the story of Matthew chapter two? They went to kill all the babies. Somebody tried to kill Jesus as a baby because he had this purpose. In the desert with the devil, he was tired and lonely and hungry. The devil tried to take him then. He was opposed by the Pharisees starting in Matthew chapter nine and that opposition never stopped. It never stopped. He started talking about the kingdom of God and about eternity and about grace and mercy and about obedience and all the different things and opposition just got worse. Even in his hometown among people who knew him growing up, Matthew chapter 13, they questioned him. They opposed the idea that he could be the Christ. His cousin was killed Peter, one of the three, Peter tried to get him to stop his goal too. Surely, Lord, you won't. He said, get behind me, Satan. This is what he told Peter. This is a good friend of his. In the garden, right, they came to arrest him. And here's what's interesting in the garden. As human beings, we have a tendency, somebody's gonna come to take us. Peter goes and immediately goes to chop off his ear. And Jesus says, hey, listen, the opposition is here. But overcoming this opposition is different than that. My kingdom looks different than that. And of course, the last three days of his life, he carried his own cross. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was insulted. And first Peter tells us that he entrusted himself when he was in. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He gave himself over to the Lord. He remembered the Lord. How do we persevere? We have to know the goal, right? We have to know the goal. We have to pray when it gets difficult. We have to be reminded about the goal. We have to be able to make adjustments. We have to keep praying and working and we have to stay focused. Here's what it says in Hebrews and we'll be done. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to close your eyes for a second, please. I want you just to hear this. I don't want you to be distracted or I want you to think about the opposition you have encountered in your life spiritually, by family or friends, even the church. I want you to think about the opposition that you have dealt with at school or at work. I'd like you to think about the opposition that you deal with from the inside, from you. And I want you to hear this. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly 
to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Keep listening. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Brothers and sisters, listen. Opposition is real. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, in this world, opposition is going to come. But we have to look at it through the lens of our goal, which is to reveal the truth about Jesus to people's lives who will be lost for eternity. Because Jesus endured for me and for you. He didn't endure because he deserved it. Remember that. Jesus endured the cross scorning at shame because I put him there. Because of my life and my sin. So we have to learn to collectively endure together for one another so that we can deal with the opposition that comes so that, you know, if you need help, we will come to your aid. Whoever it is you need help, let's come to your aid. We must collectively persevere when opposition comes. Jesus showed us how, and as my hope, I wonder, I wonder what would happen if we put this to practice this week or today. When opposition came, before you spoke, you prayed. And that you didn't do it on your own, but that we collectively would help build that weak spot. Because here's the deal. At some point, I'm going to be the weak spot. And when that trumpet is sounded, I'm going to need you to come to my aid. The way it's going lately if we can't make some adjustments, the wall's not just going to stay broken, but it's just going to be a heap of rubble. We need to make some adjustments, church. We need to be able to care about one another more than we care about ourselves. Period. And when that trumpet sounds, that you drop what you're doing and go help out. Father God, I do ask in Jesus' name that you would forgive us for the things we have done that do not represent you well, that don't honor you or glorify your name. I am guilty. And I would ask God that you would help us to persevere collectively in a way that would lift high the name of Jesus and cause men and women to run to you for salvation and for hope and for the future that you have for them. Oh God, would we be a people, even if nobody else will do it, that this group of people would bear one another's weight, bear one another's weakness, and persevere through the opposition that is coming.
Find us faithful, Lord. I'm gonna ask those who would help facilitate prayer if you would come and take your spots and we're gonna end our service as we always do through prayer. If you need prayer, you need to pray for someone or you would like to know how to meet Jesus, this is a great time to do that. If you need to have somebody bear your burdens with you, come have them bear it with you. They'll hear for you. Let's lean on him together. Let's stand together and worship together and leave some room for prayer.